Hello, my friends. Michael Youssef here, and I just wanted to thank you for connecting with Leading the Way. Our entire team is wholly committed to passionately proclaiming uncompromising truth of God's Word, and it cannot be done without you. Learn more about what God has charged us to do around the world by clicking around ltw.org. That's ltw.org. Thank you, and may God richly bless you as you seek to serve Him. As I was contemplating this message, I thought I might begin by asking everybody who knows their astrological sign to raise their hand. But then I thought, well, maybe I'll ask if you have read your horoscope in the last few weeks, raise your hand. But then I thought the best of it. (laughs) The most reliable statistics say that 90% of Americans know their astrological sign. In fact, 70% consult their horoscopes on a regular basis. In fact, more than half of the population believe in astrology. Sadly, 20% of so-called Christians also follow astrology. Thanks to movie stars and media personalities, astrology now and fortune-telling, all dining of the stars and all that stuff has become a a multi-billion dollar business. Well over 300 of the Fortune 500 companies utilize this type of astrological services in some form or another. It varies a bit. Or just in case there may be one person here or two who would say, now, what is astrology? The word astrology comes from two Greek words. Aster means star, and logos, which means word. So it is the words of the stars. That's what it literally means, the words of the stars. Astrology claims that the stars actually want to speak to us individually. Now, some of you who might belong to my generation remember some years back, those type of folks used to be called space cadets, stargazers, but no more. Here we find that so many people would rather believe in the so-called lining of the stars and the stars speaking to them, rather than believe in the God who lined all the stars in their orbit, who named them by name, who set them in their orbits. But be that as it may, the sad truth is this. Their predictions almost always wrong. If you follow it, you'll know what I'm talking about. But people still consult astrology for whatever reason. Uh, Fortune tellers, uh, horoscopes. Why? By nature, we want to know what the future holds. Hitler believed in astrology. In fact, he had his own personal astrologer with whom he consulted before he made any decision. And one day he asked his astrologer, he said, "Um, what day am I going to die? Well, the astrologer said, well, you're going to die on a Jewish holiday. And then he said, how do you know? How can you be sure of that? Because the day you die, it will be a Jewish holiday. (laughs) (laughs) The problem with astrology and those who follow it is it's addictive. It really is. It hooks you in and you become addicted to it, and what it does, it deprives you from free will. 
And yet some still believe that the stars can protect them, that the stars will actually bring them success, that the stars will help them understand themselves, and that, yes, the stars can help them talk to the dead. I'm trying to illustrate what I'm trying to say here before I get to the, to the text and the message. And I thought of something I read many years ago. It's a true story about an Indian chief in a remote area. This new chief uh, was appointed over that tribe, but he had never really learned from uh, his predecessors of how to predict the weather. They've always tried to predict the weather. And so, instead, he relied on technology and calling the National Weather Service. So when they came to him one day and they said, uh, is this going to be colder winter than usual? Just to be safe, he said, yes. But then he had a hunch. He said, well, what if it's not the case? I better go and call the National Weather Service. He calls the National Weather Service. And he said, is this winter going to be colder than usual? They said, yes. Hangs up, goes back to the Indians and his tribe, and he said, go out, gather as much wood as you can. It's going to be cold. Then a few weeks later, he goes back and called the National Weather Service, and he said, are you sure this is going to be a, the coldest weather? Yep, yeah, absolutely we're sure. So he goes back, he said, go far and wide, gather as much wood as you can from wherever you can, pile it up, store it. And so he goes back to the National Weather Service, he's become suspicious, and then he said, um, are you sure that this is going to be coldest winter ever? They said, yep, we are absolutely sure. He said, how can you be sure? He said, the Indians are gathering wood like crazy. (laughs) So much for the reading of the stars. Now, I know many of you know the difference between astrology and astronomy. And, And by the way, it's a world of difference, just in case you did not know, but I know you do. Astronomy is a science. It's a science of studying the movements of the galaxies and the planets. In fact, the Bible tells us about some of these original scientists. They lived in Persia, modern-day Iran. As a matter of fact, that science began in Persia several hundred years before Jesus was born of a virgin in Bethlehem of Judea. These scientists, these astronomers, were the most powerful people on the face of the earth. They were the most powerful in the empire of Persia. And in fact, the Persian king, any Persian king, cannot become a king without the approval of these scientists. In fact, many times he had to be one of them. He had to study this particular science of astronomy. So they were very, very powerful people. And that is why these scientists, these astronomers, were astonished when God supernaturally gave power to Daniel the prophet to solve the problem and tell the king what the dream was and what the interpretation was. They were astounded. When the prophet Daniel, in the book of Daniel, who was a Jew that was taken captive first into Babylonian, later became Persia, when God revealed to him, he gave him certain revelation that to this day, nobody could refute it. He told them the precise time in which the Messiah, the Savior, will be born. Not only where, but when. 
And if you go back and you do the calculation, and many people have done that, it's exactly, precisely the date that Daniel predicted 400 years before the birth of Christ, Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea. So much so that astronomers in Persia, at the strength of Daniel's prophecy, at the strength of what Daniel told them about this coming king from heaven, they began to look at the galaxy. They began to look at the planets in anticipation. But then they passed that knowledge and that expectation and that anticipation to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. For 400 years, they were anticipating of the appearance of the king's star. They were anticipating the birth of the heavenly visitor. As a matter of fact, new computer models have revealed that Jupiter became extremely close to earth around 2 B.C. These Persian scientists, who for generations had been studying astronomy and anticipating the appearance of this bright planet, they were ecstatic. The moment they saw it, they said, our ancestors looked forward to it, didn't have the chance to see it. But now we are the generation who are watching this bright star. And when they saw that bright star, they knew that the time has come for them to worship Jesus. They knew that Daniel's prophecy 400 years earlier is now being fulfilled. They knew that the God of heaven had come to earth. Again, modern computer scientists such as Frederick A. Larson, and you can check him out, had discovered that around that time there was a conjunction between Jupiter and Saturn, something that actually only happened every 3,000 years. But the most important thing is this. God's glory was manifested in the galaxies. God's proclamation of the birth of His one and only divine, sinless Son was proclaimed in the heavens. God's power was revealed to these scientists in Persia. And so, they come to Bethlehem to worship Jesus, to bow. Remember, these were pagan people, but they came to bow to Jesus the Christ. Sometime, These scientists are referred to as magi. Other times, they're referred to as wise men. And you say, why are they called wise men? Because only the wise worships Jesus. Because only the wise, recognizing their need for the Savior, because only the wise seek after the one true God, because only the wise want to know personally and have a relationship with that one true God, because only the wise would not waste their lives running after false gods, running after mirages, running after empty promises, and running after dead-end roads. The God who left the splendor of heaven to come to earth, who humbled Himself to become an embryo in a virgin's womb, The God who lived in poverty, the God who died gruesome death on the cross, the God who experienced a powerful resurrection on the third day, that God is telling us that He and He alone is the way to the Father and to heaven.
And to him, worldly wisdom. And oh, we get a lot of it, don't we? All these pundits are coming out with their babbling, and, and they call it wisdom. All the worldly wisdom is foolishness to our God. Woody Allen once said, I'm not afraid of death. I just don't want to be there when it comes. Another time, expressing pessimism. Because, beloved, that's all that you have in a life without Christ. Pessimism. No hope. No purpose. No life. Only fear. Only anxiety. He said, now, more than any time in history, mankind is facing a crossroads. One path leads to despair and utter hopelessness, and the other leads to total extinction. Let us pray that we have the wisdom to choose correctly. That is what God calls foolishness. Man's wisdom is utter foolishness to God. Worldly wisdom is filled with pessimism, with fear, with hopelessness, with purposelessness, with anxiety. And my beloved friends, let me tell you to the glory of God, that was me before Christ came into my life. And I know I'm not the only one who would testify. Hundreds around you who would testify the same thing. The reason God became man 2,000 years ago is that He may deliver anyone, anyone, anyone who would come to Him to worship Him alone, to surrender to Him alone, to deliver us both from fear and hopelessness. And that is why God announced the birth of His one and only Son in a variety of ways. He announced to the shepherds through an angel, and then He announced to these scientists through the star. Because to the shepherds, if they saw the star, they wouldn't understand it. They were the lowest class of people. They will understand what an angel is. And when an angel appeared to them, they knew right away, and they went straight to worship Jesus. But for the Gentile scientists, God sent a star so that they understand that this is something extraordinary, that this is something unique, that never before the King of heaven have come to earth. Now, to you and to me, God has not left Himself without a witness. He gave us the Bible. His Word, authored by 40-plus people, but really the one writer is the Holy Spirit of God behind it all. But thank God He also sent us stars in the person of faithful friends, faithful friends. These people are used of God to call us to come and worship Jesus and worship Him alone. I'm so grateful that I had that start in my life back in 1964 in the person of my brother who led me to Christ and helped me walk with Christ. Do you know that your believing family member, your believing neighbor, your believing co-worker, your believing friend it's, is a figure of speech. He or she is a star. But here is the magnificent message that these wise, powerful scientists of Persia teach us. Listen carefully, please. When they saw and heard the message, they immediately responded to that message. 
They did not shrug their shoulders and said, yes, in the by and by I will come to that decision. They did not ignore the message of the star. They did not waste their time deliberating on what should it be, how could it be. They did not spend time doubting it. They did not spend time philosophizing about it. They did not even just sit there and admire it. No. They dropped everything and came to worship Jesus. Decisively, definitively, they responded to the star. They immediately obeyed the message of the star. They went where the star had led them. They responded to the invitation of the star. Perhaps God has placed a star in your life. I don't know you do. Who's trying to lead you to the wisest decision you could ever make in your life. There is no other decision that could be more serious than this one, because your eternity and where you'll spend eternity hangs on the balance of where, whom you worship. Whether you respond to that star, will you respond to this message? Possibly this message you're hearing today is one of those opportunities that God had brought you. I don't believe in coincidence. I don't believe in happenstance. I believe in the sovereign God who brought you here. He brought you for a purpose. He brought you to hear this message, maybe for some of you for the first time. For others of you have been ignoring it for a long time, and God said, enough is enough. Now you need to respond to this message. I pray to God, as the Scripture said, when you hear His voice, harden not your heart. Come and worship Jesus. Surrender your life to Him. Again, that star might be your spouse. That star might be your parent. Maybe your child. Maybe your neighbor. Maybe your coworker. Maybe somebody that you have known through the years. Jesus has one message for everyone who doesn't know Him, for everyone who had not surrendered to Him. And that message comes through the stars, loud and clear. Jesus saying, I love you. It is for you that I lift the glories of heaven and came to earth. I love you with eternal love. I long to save you eternally. I desire to give you hope and purpose. I want to set you free from guilt and sin. I want to liberate you from all fear, pessimism, and emptiness. Oh, but above all, all more important than all of these things, that all of us who know Jesus can testify to you, more than all of that, He can assure you today of eternity in heaven with Him forever and ever and ever and ever. How many evers are these? Forever. Will you respond? Will you respond to the message of the star? Will you come to Him who came from heaven for you. He did not come for angels. They did not need salvation. He came for you. He came for me. Will you accept His gift of forgiveness and eternal life? I often say this, that our eternal life, the eternal life of every believer in Jesus, does not begin the moment you close your eyes in death. No. Your eternal life begins the moment you say yes to Jesus. Amen? I know that there's a whole lot of deception disseminating in our culture today. Lots of deceptions. The incredible deceptions in the airwaves and television and magazines and and, and, in the media everywhere, including some churches. It goes something like this. 
always lead to God. All religions will take you to the same place. All the founders of all the religions want us to do the same thing. Everyone is going to make it to heaven when they die. I like this one. Everyone becomes an angel when they die. I don't know where they get this cockamamie idea, but I guess makes people feel good. But the problem is, I'd rather have you feel bad now and then bless me for eternity than make you feel good now and curse me for eternity. Amen? You see, the one true God declared there is only one way. There is not one and a half ways. There are two ways and two and a half ways. There's only one way and one way to come to Him. And that one way to escape from the judgment that is coming upon the world. And it is through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who came from heaven for you on that first Christmas. Why? Because if you're a person who's in debt, and there is no way of paying your debt. I mean, you just you got yourself into such debt that there's no way you can pay it. Another person who's equally in debt, cannot help you. It's going to take somebody who's wealthy and willing to sacrifice in order to pay your debt. Now, I know this is all human illustrations are flawed and not perfect, (laughs) but all of the founders of these religions, they were sinners. They admitted they were sinners. Buddha never claimed to know the truth. He said, I'm searching for it. And then when he died, he said, you keep searching. Confucius, Krishna, they're worse shaped than all of us. That's why they can't help you. And that is why only God's Son, who is eternal, who is sinless, who is perfect, who lived for 33 and one-third of a year without committing sin, only He can save you. He can save me. He can save us. He and He alone. Amen. Amen. Give God praise. Give God praise. And that is why Jesus died on that cross. Because it takes a perfect, sinless person to carry on his sinless body the sins and the consequences and the wages and the punishment of sin of everyone who would come to him. Everyone who would surrender to him. Everyone who would worship him. Please listen very carefully. Only a sinless person can carry our sin on his sinless body. Will you come to him? Will you surrender to him? Will you worship him alone? Will you say goodbye to all the other stuff that has been distracting you in life, that has never really helped you? Come to him. Be wise like these wise men and worship Jesus alone. Somebody here probably sitting down saying, well, Why did Jesus have to come from heaven, born of a virgin? Why did He come and lived in utter poverty, poverty that none of us will ever even know? Why did He hang on a cross? Why did He rise again on the third? It could be another way that God would have devised for people to come to Him. He cannot be born by the will of man, as John tells us, because He cannot inherit the sin, and the sin comes from the seed of the man. So He had to be born of a virgin, someone in debt, cannot help you get out of death. And therefore, only the sinless God-man can truly redeem you. 
can take that sin, can take that wages of sin, can take the punishment of that sin on himself. So you be set free. Please hear me right. By nature, God is perfect, and therefore heaven, his dwelling place, is perfect place. He is perfect, where he dwells is a perfect place, but we're not. None of us are. None of us could ever be in this life. So we've got a dilemma, right? We've got a dilemma. A dilemma that only God can solve. A dilemma that only God can bring solution to. And God, therefore, is the one who found the solution. God is the one who bridged that gap and came to earth. And that is why you and I can only be accepted in heaven because of His perfection when we surrender to Him. I always tell people, I'm going to heaven because a lot of people say, oh, he's going, he's going to heaven because he did some good things. The Bible said all the good things we do before we come to Christ is like a dirty rag in his eyes. I'm never going to get you anywhere near heaven. But the reason I know when I close my eyes in death I will be in heaven is because I'm going on Jesus' coattail. You see, that's the only way you and I and anybody else in the world will come. God has only one way, and His name is Jesus. He's the only perfect one who can truly get you salvation, forgiveness, and eternal life. And He's inviting you today. He's inviting you today. I really don't know about you, but for some of you, it may be the last time you're going to have an opportunity to respond to His loving call to His loving invitation. It's the only way to God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, eternal life. The Bible said, there is no name under heaven is given to men by which they can be saved, except the name of Jesus. When you commit your life to Christ, it does not mean that you'll never have a problem in life. Anybody tells you that is not telling you the truth. In fact, when I came to Christ, my problems compounded because my former friends began to persecute me. The friends that I was, or so-called friends, in my pre-Christ life made life hell for me. And problems expanded, not decreased. So I'm telling you this because we have no small prince in the Christian faith. We tell you the truth, and the truth is the Word of God. Ah, but listen to me. You can be absolutely sure that He and He alone can lift you high, high above your circumstances, high above your problems, high above your difficulties of life, high above the pain that you may have been experiencing in life. He will lift you so high all the way to eternity. And when you're so high, you look down, your problems look so insecure in comparison. I know this is not only my testimony. I can literally ask hundreds of people who stand up and testify that this is the truth. When you walk with Christ, your life will never be the same. It will be wonderful. These magis, astronomers or scientists, when they recognize the star is announcing the birth of the King of Kings, the King of Heaven, they responded. The question is, will you? They allowed nothing to stand in their way. 
Listen, you got to understand, you can read history books as well as I can. Back in those days, traveling from Persia to Jerusalem was not only a long way, it was arduous way, it was treacherous way, it was dangerous way to go across carrying gold and all of that stuff. But they trusted that the one who invited them, the one who called them through that star, is the one who's going to protect them. He's the one who's going to lead them, and he's the one who's going to guide them. Will you trust him to lead you and guide you and comfort you and walk with you? When Christ becomes the only object of your worship, the object of your adoration, He not only forgives all of your sins. By the way, listen carefully. These are past sins, present sins, future sins. Because when He writes your name in the book of life, no one can erase it. He writes it with their own blood. But He will bless you as you walk with Him and as you obey Him. He will empower you. He will give you hope above all, above everything else that is great in the Christian life. He will give you assurance of eternity with Him in heaven. To these wise men, when they arrived to see Jesus, the newborn King, all of their perplexities became history. All of the anxieties and and the fears uh, have disappeared. All of the emptiness that they ever felt uh, through the years were gone. All of their search was over. In the same way, that can happen to some people here today if you come to Him in faith, in repentance. Will you make the celebration of this Christmas to be a celebration of your rebirth? What hope we hold this starlit night A king is born in Bethlehem Our journey long we seek the light That leads to the hallowing manger crown What fear we felt in the silent age Four hundred years can he be found But broken by a baby's cry Rejoice in the hallowed manger Exalted now, the King of Kings. 